Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Hey, we're glad you're with us today. We, uh, we have the privilege that we get to come together, and worship is a choice for us right now when we get to worship the Lord. It's, uh, it's not anything that's forced on us. It's a free choice, and I don't want you guys to take it for granted. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about worship in general. We're going to talk about the significance of it, and we're going to talk about the flip side of it a little bit because we know everything that we see, hear, know, that was and is and will be, there's always an opposite. If God is love, then we know Satan is often filled with hate. And there's always a good and a bad. And so I think sometimes it's important for us to know, what are we up against? What are we facing? What, what does worship look like in a big scale? What does worship look like on maybe what we would consider the dark side of things. And what, what's that look like? What is it about? You know, one thing that if you really are honest with yourselves and you pause, we were created for worship. Now, when I say that, don't let that turn any of you off. Not everybody has, you, many of you have some gifts that I covet and would love to have but I don't have them. And so not everybody can sing, not everybody can play an instrument, but everyone can worship. And there are many, many ways that we worship. We were made to worship. If we look through history, we look through time, we think about different lands and different peoples and past, present, and even certainly in the future. If people don't have something, if they don't worship God Almighty, then what do they often do? They create something to worship or they take a created thing and they worship it. It's just all people. You know, they're like, well, we don't have anything. We don't know anything. So we'll take this, um, this, this stick, this stone, and we'll carve it out and we'll make an idol. And even as Christians, even when you know the Lord, it's so easy to let something else become greater than the Lord in our lives, and we begin to worship that. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we are going to look at just a couple of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> So the story behind this is, of course, the Israelites, they had been taken out of Egypt. They had been freed from their bondage. They have seen miracle after miracle. Moses gets called up into the mountain where God goes before him and shares with him the Ten Commandments. And Moses is before God's presence. So while this is going on, the people are like, they became impatient and they became wanting something, and they paused, and it says they gathered all their, many of their gold jewels that they took out of Egypt, their earrings and their different things, and they melted them down 
and they created a golden calf. And at first it started out, well, Moses isn't here, so we need another leader. Uh, dead, non-living, golden calf sounds like a good idea. And then it gets worse. And then they began to worship that image that they made. Moses comes down and, uh, you know, some people say he got mad. You know, of course, he got mad. He threw the Ten Commandments. The tablets even broke at one point. And how would we react? You're just in the presence of God Almighty. You come down, you see everybody, they've already forgotten what they've done, and they began to worship a man-made image. So let's pick this up just real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Ironically, Ten Commandments, and look at the first two. <laughs> look at the first two. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. And Lord, for the, those that have physically come to church this morning, and for those who are watching online, they've taken time. And Lord, I pray that they'll hear from you today, from your word. That you'll speak to each person where they need to hear from you from. And that you'll give us a greater understanding of worship and the significance of it. And how we can have a better life in worship with you, knowing what we're up against. Encourage our people today through a message that might seem a little different at times. Bring hope, bring peace. Let us see that nothing catches you by surprise, that it's all ordained and ultimately all in your control. Pray that you bless this time together for everyone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, one thing I did want to touch base here is why out of all the Ten Commandments, we think of all the things, this probably... These aren't the two that typically come through our minds, are they? You know, I probably more common to be like, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not kill. But these first two talk about putting something before God and worshiping him. Why? Because our human nature, it's what we do. It's so easy to do. There are so many things that we put in front of it. And I want to talk just real quickly about a couple of the verses. It says, um, God says, I will... Visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and the fourth generations. You know, the Ten Commandments, there's a misconception sometimes when you stand on the outside. And you look at this and the Ten Commandments, if they were posted here, and they're like, well, that's just a bunch of rules. I don't want to follow rules. I want to do my own thing. But one thing you have to remember is a loving parent, a loving father, a loving grandparent, 
a loving aunt, a loving uncle, a loving neighbor, will put things in order to protect the little ones that he loves. And so, I think another lesson there is, as parents, as grandparents, as aunt and uncles, as friends, as neighbors, is we have a responsibility to share the love of God. How do you share the love of God? Sometimes you just live it. You just try to live it the best way you can, and you tell them the truth. I know Melody and Dave that are with us today, they bring two little boys that are their neighbors, little boys, so they can come to church and hear the truth. That is what that talks about. And what might happen in their lives if they hear the truth might be so much different than someone who never does, right? All right, if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 14. And uh, we're going to read verses 12 through 14. So the message today is titled, The Fall of Satan and the Significance of Worship. So most of you here know, but if you don't, and if you're not familiar with the story, Satan was originally called Lucifer. And Lucifer in heaven was the most beautiful of all angels. Lucifer was created. He was beautiful. He was perfect in almost every way. And the Bible says he was very wise. He was very intelligent. Today, if, I, if we were to do a poll and you ask people across the circles of, that you're in or in the world, we're like, do you believe that Satan is a real and a living being? I don't know what our responses would be, but I will tell you today, far less people believe that Satan is real than they did years ago. And I would never challenge anybody to say, see if you test it to see if the devil's real. I would tell you, never do that. Test and see that God is real. And when you find God, you'll know that the devil is real, but you'll be redeemed. So remember that. So let's read the story about Lucifer here. Quick story. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. The fall of Lucifer. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You are you who weakened the nations. For you have said... In your heart. Here's the important part. Satan's fall, Lucifer's fall, if we want to sum it up, often it's summed up in one word, it's pride. So these next things are what Satan himself was saying. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan ultimately, pride was it. But what, what is at the core of that pride that sometimes we don't see? Satan wanted to be like God and he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be worshipped. And I, I want you guys to see that today. And I want you to have a greater understanding of it. 
And we're going to come back to that. So, all right, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We've got a few scriptures today that we're going to go through. Gospels, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. So, in the beginning, Satan was cast from heaven because he wanted to be like God and he wanted to even be above God. And Satan wanted to be worshipped. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the temptations. But a quick background is Jesus was on his earthly ministry. And it says that the spirit of the Lord led Jesus out into the wilderness. And it's ironic that he went out there to fast and pray. But you know, part of the reason that the spirit of the Lord led Jesus out there into the wilderness, it was to be tempted. You're like, would the Lord ever leave me in some place like that? Yes, <laughs> he could, so that you could overcome the temptation. But at this particular time, he took Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil approaches him for the physical needs and the physical side of things. The one part I wanted to focus on is in chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. We pick up the story here and it says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you. What did Satan want him to do? How was he tempted? I'll give them to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And there's a lot of discussion, and it's a whole other message. Could Jesus really be tempted? Yes, he was a man, and he was also God. And he showed us how he could overcome temptation. But in his flesh, you got to remember that Satan is the prince and the power of the air, is what the Bible tells us. He has a lot of authority here on earth. That's why when we turn on the news or when we see people do something and you shake your head and you're like, how could that ever happen? The devil is in charge of a lot of things. And if you're not his child, you can be greatly influenced by the devil. And the Bible even tells us that we can be possessed by the devil. So at this point, you're like, what temptation is truly there for Jesus? Well, Jesus is coming into his ministry and in his flesh, he knows that he is going to, for your sake and for mine, suffer a horrible death. And he's going to be crucified and he's going to bleed and he's going to die for our sins. And Satan at this moment pauses. And it, isn't it interesting how Satan comes at our weaknesses when we are the most weak and tired. This is at the end of 40 days where he has fasted, he's hungry, he's weak, he's tired. He's probably, if in his own flesh, he's wanting to just be relieved of these things. And that's when Satan comes at him full force. I know you're beaten down. Now's my chance. And he's looking for that moment. And he's like, I'll give you all these great things. These great kingdoms. And you know what? You don't have to die. I'll just give them to you. And then I'll, I'll, I'll leave them alone, Lord, and you can minister to all these people. That wasn't the plan God had. 
But the whole thing, the whole reason that Satan would give up something that's so important to him is he wanted the Son of God to bow down and worship him. Turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. So since the beginning of time, basically, that we're aware of, you know, the Satan, the devil, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell in the garden. And ever since Satan has been cast out of heaven, he's been doing everything he can to mess up as many lives along the way that he can, to take away hope, to destroy lives, and to keep people from a relationship with the Lord. And church family, those that are turning in to watch this, he's good at it. He's been doing it for thousands of years. And he knows what makes a man tick. And he knows what makes a woman tick. And he knows our weaknesses. And he knows when we're weak. And he seeks to come in and destroy us. So, he has done that from the beginning. He tried, to, he tried to get Jesus to worship him. He continues to try to get us to worship him and other things. And now we're going to go to the future. A future that's probably not too far away, is it? Revelation chapter 13. And I stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Let me pause right there. You know, last week, Pastor Dallas talked a little bit about how when we read Revelation, that it's a book that promises blessings for us. When I read that for myself, and when you hear it, I know Revelation can, can intimidate us. I promise you, the closer we get to the Lord's return, the more Revelation is going to be revealed to us, and the more it's going to make sense. So don't be intimidated by it. A couple things that says when... John's basically there, and he says, I stood on the sand of the sea. I think he's looking at the sea of humanity. And he's looking out amongst all the people. And when he gives illustrations of animals and the different heads and the things, these are different kingdoms. These are different lands and powers that are coming and are rising to power. And it says... Let me back up and read verse 2. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And then it says here, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So the beast is the Antichrist, okay? And the dragon here... That is Satan himself. That's the devil. Remember when I said in the beginning of the service, there's opposites to everything that God's created? So we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have the dragon, which is Satan. We have the Antichrist. And then we have the prophet. So we have, there's an opposite effect to that. 
So Satan gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and he wants to confuse everybody. It, it's fascinating to think as we look ahead to the future that Jesus truly conquered the grave and conquered hell when he rose from the grave. And how Satan and in his power is going to deceive the whole world by looking like there's a mortal wound, a wound that should kill somebody, but yet they won't. And it'll look like it's a miraculous healing. And we take the times of Jesus and Jesus lived in an area and if it was to happen in Back then, it took a while for things to get communicated. Wi-Fi wasn't very good in the days of Jesus. I thought mine goes out a lot now, but it's nothing like then. And cell phones weren't available. Communication wasn't, it didn't spread rapidly. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it happened in a small pocket of land in front of a small group of people. And then it spread. In the end times, when Satan, the deceiver, acts as if a mortal wound is being healed, the whole world is going to see it. We know that we can watch something on the internet through our phones, and we see it no matter where it's at in the world, and it looks like re real time. But here's the reality. Satan doesn't have the power like that, but he'll make it appear that way. And the whole reason then is people are going to marvel and they're going to be deceived and it says that they will then worship the beast and that they'll worship the dragon satan is in his moment of glory he's loving this part and people are going to go who can stand against the beast he's the best Nobody can war against him. Nothing can happen. And they begin to worship him. Let's continue reading here. Starting at uh, verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Basically three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted. Satan, at this point, it will look like he is in complete control, and he is to an extent, but because it was granted to him by God. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundations of the world. Satan's whole desire from the very beginning, the moment he was 
he, the reason he was cast out of heaven to the thing he wanted, one of the things he wanted most from Jesus when Jesus was walking on earth to the things he wants from every nation and people that have ever lived is accumulated here in the end times where he wants to be worshiped. And I know this isn't one of those like, oh, Pastor Ben gave everyone flowers and it was beautiful today at church. <laughs> I know it's not like that, but, it, but there is hope in this and there's beauty in this, but it's, it's important that we are aware. It's not important, it's, it's not necessary that we have fear because we are sealed and we are redeemed and we have hope, but it is important to know hey, this is how it's, some things are going to play out. And to know that ultimately the devil wants to be worshipped. One last passage in closing. We turn back to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Just a quick background on this. So most everybody's familiar that Jesus had 12 disciples, also known as the apostles, and they were, they were with Jesus. They went before him. They would go into towns and areas, and they would teach of Jesus, and they would preach to people. But there were also a lot more, even on Jesus' earthly ministry, that went out. And if we read in some of the verses before this, some people would come to Jesus, and they would say, Lord... I want to follow you. I'm ready. And sometimes he would say, but, but they would always sometimes have a, I want to, I'm ready, but <laughs> I need to go back. I got to take care of this or I got to do this. So there were a lot of great people with good intentions who wanted to follow God, but they weren't ready to do everything that the 12 did. So that's where we pick up the story. Jesus actually appointed 70 disciples. And he sent them out to the cities that he was going to go visit. And it's basically like preparing the way for the Lord. Can you imagine being in Jesus' presence, knowing that he's coming right behind you, and they're going to go, all right, we're going to go into, we're going to go into Canton. The Hall of Fame parade is going on. There's a lot going on. And we're going to talk about Jesus, why everybody's in from everywhere, and we're going to set it up. And when they did that, amazing things happened for the cause. People found hope. People believed on Jesus. And their lives were totally turned around. And they saw great things. That's where we pick this up. Verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Church, this is one thing I really want to give you hope on. Do you know what's different about those 70 disciples and maybe you today? Nothing. Nothing. Those 70 were um, secretaries. They were fishermen. They were people that worked in an office, there are people that drove a truck, there are people that worked in the medical field, they were teachers. What's different about them? Nothing. Today we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The authority 
that they have in Jesus' name, we have today. And there's a lot of things in life that we're not going to understand. Even Jesus asked and he prayed to God. He said, if this cup could pass that I don't have to take from it, Lord, that's my request. But nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. Some of us are going to face some difficult things in life. But I want you to know today, if you have the spirit of the Lord living in you, you have great authority. And when the devil comes before, and when we talk about true evil, and we look ahead of a time that seems uncomprehendable, but yet getting much closer to it than we've ever been, you have authority in the name of Jesus. Verse 18, and Jesus speaks after they said that. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When the Bible talks about Satan being, Lucifer being cast out of heaven, Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. You remember that in the beginning of the Terminator movies? All of a sudden they'd show up and there's lightning everywhere and he's right there. I feel like Satan was cast out of heaven and he was shot to earth in a flash of lightning. And Jesus said, I saw that. God the Father did that. I saw it. And he says to them, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Church, there's our hope. That message is for you too. That's for all of us. Here's what I really want you to take away from it though. In closing, the last verse today, Jesus said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. He will see you through anything you'll face in life. It, it may not be easy. You might have that moment where you're so weak and tired and you're like, where is God in this? And you just need to hang on. God will make a way and there is power in his name. But Jesus, when they were filled with joy and they're so excited about all the things they saw God do, he said, it's good. But it pales in comparison to no that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when we read in Revelation, it said, everybody fell down and worshiped the beast whose name was not written in the Lamb's book of life. What's it take to get my name in that book? Doesn't take, coming to church won't do it. Being a good person won't do it. Working, doing all these hard works, anything to help people out and do all those things. It's real simple. It's a moment where you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I know that you're the son of God and that you didn't let that cup pass before you and you died on the cross to pay the price for every sin that I ever committed and ever will commit. And when I say, Lord, I believe in you, and I accept you as my Savior, 
and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's permanent blood ink. Can't be removed. You're sealed. He said that's the greatest thing. You know, one more thing that I thought was interesting as we close. Praise team, you can come up. And uh, in Revelation, when it talks about worshiping the devil and worshiping the beast, the Greek word there for worship was kneel down. And the other word was give full public allegiance to. That's what the devil wants. That's what the devil wants. Just something to be mindful of. We're not to fear that. We have power over the devil in the name of Jesus. And we know that no matter what happens in the end, life goes by fast. I was a, I was a little kid not that long ago. Now I'm just a short adult. Okay? Time goes by fast and life's over. But eternity's forever. Amen? Make sure today that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's real simple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we're thankful that you chose to share in your living word good and bad of a fallen angel who decided to follow his own ways and do his own thing and was cast from heaven. And now we deal with him until you call us home. But Lord, we're reminded, <laughs> we're reminded of what you said. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Wow. We have such great hope, Lord. I pray that you will comfort people today, that they might know, no matter what they face, that they have great power in the name and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, if there's someone and they're just not sure, like I believe in God, but I don't, I don't know if I've actually had that moment where I accepted him, but I said, Lord, come into my heart and they're not 100% sure that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Or Lord, maybe someone today, they're not questioning it. They just know it hasn't because they've never done that. I pray that today they might pray this simple prayer with me and that they might get their names entered of what Jesus said. That's the thing to get excited about. If you haven't done that, I ask you to pray with me just as I say this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you are the true son of God. And Lord, I choose to worship you. Please forgive me of my sins. And Lord Jesus, Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, 
we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son and you came and lived a perfect life and you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get it our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope knowing that Jesus is your Savior and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.